When you hear the word fasting or think of the concept of fasting, what is it that comes to mind? Now, that tongue-in-cheek video that we, we just watched from the skit guys, it hits on at least some of the ideas or some of the concepts that, that, that seem to be popular when we think of the discipline. Fasting, it's either something that's reserved for people who are, are super, super spiritual or, or it's something that we, we might focus on during Lent in the church, and then we don't really think about it for the rest of the year. Or, or, or maybe it's only something that we really think about when our doctor tells us that we need to fast before a procedure. Now, the first time I attempted fasting was when I was in college. And, and for whatever reason, I thought I, I could go from uh, sun up in the morning to sundown at night without eating anything at all. And by lunch, I remember thinking, dang. I'm so hungry. I'm starving. How am I going to make it through the rest of the day? But in all reality, I I wasn't starving at all. There were plenty of times in college where I forgot to eat breakfast. I just simply forgot. And where I'd I'd jump from one class to the next and then realize sometime at two or three in the afternoon that I hadn't eaten a thing yet. It's amazing how our minds and bodies work together, especially when it comes to food. I'm convinced that the physical process of making coffee in the morning helps me to wake up just as much as the caffeine that's in the coffee. The the process of grinding the beans, of of heating the water, of pouring the water in, it helps me to wake up. And I'm also fairly certain that I enjoy the smell of barbecue almost as much as the taste. And if I smell it, I I want it. Any of you hungry yet? Hopefully you have your cup of coffee at home. It turns out that Pavlov, he was on to something. Most of us are conditioned to eat three meals a day. It's just what we do. It's just what we know. So regardless of if we're hungry or not, we start to feel those those pains around the time that we normally eat. And it's uncomfortable to be thrown out of, of routine or to be forced into a new one. And that's really what biblical fasting is all about. It's about being intentional with drawing near to God, recognizing that sometimes our our comforts or even our routines, they can get in the way of putting God first in our lives. So fasting, it reminds us that God alone is the one who sustains us. It's a discipline that's that's mentioned throughout Scripture, in, in the Hebrew Scripture, in the Old Testament. Moses, Samuel, Hannah. David, Esther, they all fast while they're seeking clarity on one issue or another. In Leviticus, we read about something called the Day of Atonement, where the entire nation of Israel was called to fast once a year as a form of self-denial. And in the New Testament, we read about uh, about it as well. The prophetess Anna, waiting for Jesus' birth, she fasted. John the Baptist and his disciples, they they fasted. And and remember, the entire reason that that we walk through the Lenten season is to remember that that Jesus fasted for those 40 days in the wilderness before beginning his public ministry. And and as we'll see in a minute, he, he also had quite a lot to say about the subject. Now, historically, the church has always had a really interesting relationship with fasting. It was something that the early church fathers emphasized. It was something that they they talked about often. St. Augustine once said in a sermon this, he once said that fasting cleanses the soul. 
raises the mind, subjects one's flesh to the spirit, renders the heart contrite and humble, scattered, scatters the clouds of concupiscence, which, which really means fleshly desires or appetites, quenches the fire of lust, enkindles the true light of chastity. Enter again into yourself. Now, usually today when we talk about fasting, we, we focus in on food. But fasting can take many, many forms. Maybe just like in, in the screen, in the skit that we watched, we, we stay away from screens for a while, like our phones or computers or, or TV for, for an entire day. Maybe we give up driving for a day and we take public transportation instead. Or maybe we just give up a certain type of food instead of an entire meal. It's denying ourselves. Fasting is denying ourselves of something for a period of time with the specific goal of drawing near to God. And then every time we feel that that hunger pain or that nudge to go and turn on the TV or whatever it is, we pray for strength. We ask for clarity. We lean into our creator. The first passage that we're we're looking at this morning, it it comes from the middle of Jesus's sermon on the mount. It's a passage that that we've talked about before. Jesus starts the sermon with, with, with talking about the basics of Christian life. And then right around chapter six. He moves to, to how it should all look, how, how, what the practical part of the, the, the Christian life, how it should look. It's the application part of the sermon. And this is where he says things like, so when you pray, don't stand up in front of people in synagogues or on street corners. And where he says things, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And so between talking about prayer and giving, he, he preaches on, on fasting. And, and, and he says this. When you fast, when you fast, notice that that he doesn't say if you fast. Our first hint that Jesus values this discipline of fasting should be that he assumed his followers were already practicing it. He he takes the same tone with praying, giving uh, giving to those who are in need and, and loving our enemies. They are things that Jesus just assumed this is what followers do, followers of Jesus do. The reality is Jesus doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room when it comes to what he expects from his followers in the Sermon on the Mount. He's he's pretty direct. So, So he says, when you fast, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, in the, in the same way that Jesus told his followers to be intentional in the way that they prayed, he, he called his followers to, to not draw attention to themselves as they fast. One translation uh, puts it this way. It, it, it says, when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, look normal. Now, most of us today don't put oil on our, our heads before leaving our house every morning. But the, in, in the first century, that was a normal practice. It was something that was connected to personal hygiene, like, like brushing our teeth might be today. So Jesus contrasts a, a normal appearance 
with this intentionally disfigured appearance. And while doing so, he's cutting to the core of one of the main problems of first century religion that probably applies to one of the main challenges of religion today as well. It was commonplace in the first century for people who were fasting to put ashes on their face and walk around complaining about their discomfort, to kind of draw attention to themselves. It was essentially a way of them saying, look at how holy I am. And so Jesus is essentially saying, that's not the point. It's not about drawing attention to yourself, not at all. So fast forward to the attention-starved culture that we live in today, where we walk around with a computer in our pocket begging for us to post a picture, to record a video, or to send a tweet. Jesus calls us to something different than drawing attention to ourselves. Jesus calls us to humility. And his words on fasting remind us that faith isn't a performance. Following Jesus isn't a show. It's never been a show. Jesus talks about fasting again in another place in the Gospel of Matthew. John the Baptist's disciples come to him confused because Jesus' own followers, they weren't fasting consistently. And Jesus speaks to them about fasting. And he says this in Matthew chapter 9. How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Jesus' response, it's, it's a little confusing. He, he doesn't say, look, I fasted in the wilderness for 40 days, and this is why, and this is what I learned, and this is what, what you can learn. He, he doesn't come out and just say that. Instead, he tells three parables. But one about a, a groom and his guests, one about a, a new patch on an old garment, and then one about wine in wineskins. When he's talking about the wedding, he ends with a, a pretty clear and direct phrase. When, when the groom is taken, then, referring to the disciples, then they will fast. Now, first century Jewish weddings, they were, they were massive. They were these week-long celebrations. So if a guest were to show up to the party and, and fast, it wouldn't just be unnatural, it would be rude, it would be offensive, it would be selfish. It would draw attention to, to that one person taking the focus off of the bride and off of the group. It's exactly what Jesus talks about, or talks against, I should say, in the Sermon on the Mount. But, but Jesus does say that there is an appropriate time to fast after the groom leaves. After the groom leaves. And then we get to the parables of the patch in the wineskin. Now, the parable of the new patch on the old clothes should make sense to any of us who ever have put a shirt in the dryer that wasn't supposed to go in the dryer, that was only hang dry, hang dry only. I know I've 
ruined plenty of clothes over the days doing this. If you put a patch that, that hasn't shrunk yet on a garment that had finished shrinking, it would tear away as it shrunk, making the original hole even worse. And the same is true with the wine and, and the wineskin. If you tried to age new wine in a skin that had already been stretched to its limits, you, you would risk bursting that wineskin and ruining perfectly good wine. But, but what do these, these examples, what do these parables really have to do with fasting? They, they almost sound like they, they have more to do with, with physics or chemistry than, than anything else. They show us that, that the good news that Jesus brought the, the abundant life that he invited his followers to participate in couldn't just be patched onto old rituals. It, it couldn't just be poured into a, a, a religious framework. And there was serious danger in fasting becoming nothing more than a stale ritual. Something we, we do once a year before Easter or when our doctor tells us it's time. So, so this week... As we're journeying through spiritual disciplines together to kind of help us to, to stay grounded, to help us grow in our faith during this time, I'm going to ask us to step into the discomfort of fasting. Now, if you've never tried it before, I'd, I'd encourage you to try with, with something small. Remember, I'm not necessarily saying you, you shouldn't eat the whole day. It might not even be food at all that you fast from. Maybe it's a day away from the TV, a few hours away from your phone, or, or a couple days without Starbucks or wherever it is you, you usually go to pick up coffee. Maybe it's making coffee at home, and that's a, a, a fast for you. And, and I'd remind us that the, the point of this isn't just to, to check a box or to show that we've done our homework. That's not what these disciplines are about. These disciplines are about growing in our faith. There's this wonderful line that, that Richard Foster, who I've been talking about a lot during this series, uh, there's this wonderful line that he shares about fasting, and I want to leave it with you as we journey into this week together. Foster writes this, More than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. We cover what's inside us with food and other good things, but in fasting, these things surface. Fasting is about giving up our comforts and our appetites so we can experience God more fully. It, it reminds us that God has provided for us and that God alone sustains us. Let's pray together. Lord God, we ask that you would renew our hearts and that you would remind us that you alone sustain us. Lord, as we step out into this week, we ask that we would draw near to you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.